All right, this morning, Exodus chapter 1, Exodus chapter 1, that'll be the second book of the Bible, so find Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, and then go to the right, and you will find Exodus, the book of Exodus, a wonderful book. I don't know if it's preached from a whole lot, I'm sure there's somebody somewhere that preaches out of it. And I've uh, uh, kind of felt like the Lord's wanted me to preach uh, from it for a couple of years now. I've been uh, uh, going back and forth with that. I, I believe we need to learn more about God in the Old Testament. I really do. And I believe when we fail to learn about who God is and how He has dealt with mankind in the Old Testament, we... We lose focus, we lose sight, but we also misunderstand God in the New Testament. It's the same God. And uh, it's, it helps us uh, get a, a complete picture and learn more about Christ. Exodus chapter 1, I would like to begin reading here in verse 7. And he says, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel." And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shepherah and the name of the other Puah. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives, and here's where I get my text. The midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. He's talking about abortion, folks, in case you didn't know. And it's not something new. This was called selective abortion. And you're getting a look at how God views it. And I figured I'd just throw that in there free of charge this morning and to all that are watching that God is against the murder of babies in the womb. And so you're getting a look at that here. And then he says... The midwives, they feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. 
Therefore, how did God deal with this activity? Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that He made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. And I will read the first verse in chapter 2 because it starts with the word and. The word and, it means plus one. It means he's continuing the thought. And so here's what I want you to get because I'm going to preach on God-fearing mothers this morning. And, but what I want you to understand is God-fearing women... They inspire God-fearing mothers who then inspire God-fearing men to serve God. Uh, you need to understand that. I believe there's some good quotes that behind every great man there's a great woman. But the hand, what is the, the nation? He who rules the nation uh, is, is uh, boy, I'm, boy, I butchered that, didn't I? Here's what I'm trying to say. On every great man... There would be a great mother who was rocking his cradle. There you go. You get it. You got it. And I thank God for my God-fearing mama. She's still alive, and I'm happy to have her uh, with us still. And uh, I called her this morning, and Jen said, You need to call your mom, which I was planning on it, but it was early. I was going to wait uh, a little later. And she says, Jen said, no, She's up. And I said, No, mom ain't going to get up. I called the second ring. Hello? Oh, Yep, that's mom. She'd be waiting early to see which one of her kids called first. Hopefully it was me. Uh, I don't know. And uh, so I got a tricky bunch of brothers and sisters. Uh, some of them probably called in yesterday. Uh, some of them, got, I think, sent her great gifts. And so uh, it, me, I'm a great gift. You know, I called. Be Mother's Day, Mom. I'll be preaching. And, uh, and, and uh, thank you. Uh, and so, but that's my thoughts, God-fearing mothers. Uh, let us pray, and then let us uh, get into the message this morning. Now, our gracious Father, we come, we thank you, we love you. Uh, Lord, we want to thank you for our mothers, and, and uh, this church is, is blessed with good mothers. And Lord, I know it's not an easy job. Uh, it, it's a hard job, and, and only uh, a woman can do it. And Lord, we thank you for the women that choose to be God-fearing women and God-fearing mothers. And help us now, even in these dark days, to be able to take a stand for you, take a stand for what's right in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The book of Exodus, it means going out. Uh, Moses, who wrote the book of Exodus, uh, and the theme of the book of Exodus is about redemption. Uh, redemption being bought uh, with a price, and that is a doctrinal word, and that is a word that you should understand about in the New Testament on what Christ did for us. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. But this whole book here of Exodus talks and speaks and teaches us about redemption. Exodus, it deals with the birth of the Israel as a nation. Exodus reveals God's faithfulness. It reveals to us God's grace. And it reveals to us God's power. 
Uh, Exodus, the key verse in this book, uh, uh, is will be in Exodus chapter 15, about verse 13. Uh, every book of the Bible will have a key verse in it that will help you understand that whole book. And this one is in Exodus 15, verse 13. He says, Thou, in thy mercy, hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. And so here we have uh, the children of Israel. God had told Abraham some 400 years before that his children would end up in bondage down in Egypt. But he says, don't be afraid. I'm going to lead them out of Egypt and I will bring them back into the land of Canaan, which was the land that God had given Abraham. And by the way, God has still given that land over there to Israel, God's chosen people, and God will deal with anybody that tries to take that land from them or divide that land from them. You got that free this morning, free of charge. And our nation will cease to be when we turn our backs on the nation of Israel. We need to be Israel's greatest ally because they're God's chosen people. And there's a promise in the Bible that says that He would bless them that blessed Israel and He would curse them that would curse Israel. And I want us to go forward in this nation to bless the nation of Israel. But we see them down here in this land. In verse 8, we see now there rose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. As I begin to study that, I begin to ponder, what, what did that mean? Did it just mean that he didn't really know Joseph or didn't remember who Joseph was? I believe there's a bigger meaning to it than just Joseph. Because if you was to turn back to Genesis 41, about verse 38, he says, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? So Pharaoh understood that Joseph had the Spirit of God living in him. Meaning that that Pharaoh who sat on the throne during the lifetime of Joseph recognized God, Jehovah. And that Joseph had the Spirit of God in him. I mean, it was a very identifiable. But now this king rises up. And if you was to look into chapter 5 of Exodus, he says in verse 2, And Pharaoh declares to Moses, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? So I believe that statement that he says when there was a rose a king who knew not Joseph, it had more to do that that king did not know God or did not want to recognize God and he was a heathen king in this land. And that spells trouble for the children of Israel because they begin to look uh, here at the nation of Israel and God was blessing them and the children and they were multiplying. And by the way, the Bible says that children or a heritage of the Lord that God gives you a children as a reward it is a gift of life and by the way when a child is in the womb it has a soul and a spirit 
<coughs> just because its body is not fully formed, it has a soul and it has a spirit. And it has been recorded in the book of life, the book of the living, not the Lamb's book of life, but the book of the living. It's recorded that way because when someone takes that life, they will stand accountable and will have blood on their hands for destroying human life. Human life is precious. And see, we're living in a day we have heathens in this world. I was telling the teen class that you have the children of Satan, the children of God. You've got two spiritual families and the children of Satan. And Satan hates anything that God has done, hates anything God has declared. Uh, and they will rise up. They are now. And the time of the Antichrist is coming. And so Pharaoh, the type of Satan here, the oppressor, and uh, the Bible likens him unto the type of Satan there in Ezekiel 29. And I will tell you this, that Satan does not want God's children to outnumber his children. Anytime God gets a hold of, of people and they're starting to have a revival and people getting saved, the devil gets all upset and throws a monkey wrench in it because he knows that if God's children increase and outnumber the devil's children, hey, it's not going to be a good place for them. There's revivals of years gone by, if you read church history, and revivals that have happened. When a good God-called revival uh, comes through, they shut bars down, they shut uh, uh, whorehouses down, they shut uh, crime goes down almost to nothing, they turn bars into churches. And I've got news for you, we ain't had a revival like that in a long time. And the devil, he don't want a revival like that, and so Pharaoh, the type of the devil, he's getting a look. He's looking at this thing. Uh, uh, don't you forget for a second, the devil's people, they're not dumb. <laughs> uh, they can put two and two together. He's looking at this and he says, look, uh, he said, we can't let them uh, begin to multiply in this land. Uh, uh, they'll outnumber us. And so Satan is a type of Pharaoh, Pharaoh, the type of Satan, and there's a verse in the Bible that says anything that God does. Over there in Zechariah 3 verse 1, he says, uh, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And he says, And Satan standing on his right hand ready to resist him. So anytime the Lord gets ready to send a man to do something for God, the devil's standing right there ready to oppose. And he'll do whatever he has to to stop the work of God. And then we have Satan's strategy here, right here in this chapter, is to destroy the home. That's, you can see that going on today. There is a strategy to destroy the home. There's actually groups that have been formed that are, they, they say they're against the nuclear family. They're against uh, how God has set this thing up. They don't want husbands. They don't want wives. And they don't want children. They want to confuse that mess all up. And there's people that are choosing sides. They want what the devil's got to offer. But then there are people that says, I'm going to stick with the old ways. I'm going to stick with God's way because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has made me for a purpose. But the devil don't like it. And so Pharaoh here, his strategy to destroy the home, and by the way, it's about downsizing the American family or downsizing the family here. 
And isn't that today you have for somebody, if a family has more than two kids, three kids, they, they really look down on you. Like they look at you, they look down their nose when you walk in the grocery store and like, I remember that look. I know that look well. Uh, I come from a family. There were seven of us children in a home, in the same home, with one bathroom. Imagine that. <laughs> and it all worked well. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it worked like military. <laughs> military precision, buddy. Everybody had a schedule. Everybody had a time slot. You better not miss your time slot. But when we'd go into the restaurants or when we went into the grocery store, and of course, my father and my mother believed in great discipline. So it was children lined up in single file behind mom and dad. We were all right there. Uh, they weren't chasing us through the grocery store. They weren't stressing out, popping volumes and pills because they're worried about what mischief we're going to get into. No, us kids were. <laughs> we're like, oh man, I sure hope I don't do anything that might uh, get me in trouble with dad and mom. And so, yeah, you parents said you stress out. You can't go to the grocery store with your kids. You can't go to the restaurant and enjoy a meal with your kids because they're monsters. Uh, you might need to get into the Bible. It shouldn't work that way. That's quiet. I'm getting to the mom part. I got to get on. I got to cover the devil part first. <laughs> and the devil's strategy. And so the first strategy, hang on, buckle in, is to uh, uh, send them hard labor. Mommies and daddies, send them hard labor. That's what he did there. He said he afflicted them with burdens. And the result, what they wanted to do by giving them hard burdens was to take family time away. There is a tradition that was started by my mom and dad that Friday nights is family nights. Friday nights, we ate pizza, watched movies, and partied and, and, and in a Christian way now. Now, I, I got to clarify all this stuff with this crowd. Wicked crowd, wicked crowd this morning, wicked crowd. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, when I say the word party, everybody goes bonkers, you know, because you guys got the wrong definition of party. A Christian party is pizza, chip, and maybe some pop with uh, a Walt Disney. I probably shouldn't say that now. See, I'm behind times, folks. We can't, you know, they're, they're, they've went off the deep end. So I don't know what we're going to do. But I used to watch cartoons back in the days when you could do that stuff. But we, we spent family time together. And so, but when the devil gets in, he wants to destroy that time. Uh, and, and by the way, marriage and family, you got to invest time into it. That's why they explode. That's why uh, they, they, they fall by the wayside. Just like a car, if you don't keep up with the maintenance, it's going to let you down. You're going to have to keep up with the maintenance on your family. And so the devil said, put them to work. Because it's going to take family time. Well, that didn't work. And so he said, let's make their life even harder. Make their life bitter with hard bondage, which was the result was to take more family time away. Make them work mandatory 
overtime. You know, be a career woman. I know, I know some of you are not liking this. You're not liking this. I know you're not because you're thinking that preacher is trying to put a bonnet on me and dress me like an Amish and I got to stay home. Uh, no, that's that we, that we need to get into Proverbs. Proverbs 31 woman, she could do it all. She could raise a family, work a job and keep the house and her husband was called blessed in the gate. Hey, that's, that's a woman whose price is far above rubies it's quiet on that (laughs) but see the devil gets in there and says i don't know we got too many christian families running around here we're going to have to really take that time uh, away from them we need to take that family time away from them Uh, one of the things that jen and i sit down and talked about when she went and got a job after the kids were raised is that you're not working Sundays, not working Wednesday nights. And by the way, I don't really want you working Mondays. That's family time. That's me and you. That's where I invest and we invest into each other. And you can find a job that fits those other criteria. Have at it. And one of the things she said, and I said, you make sure you say it, is that you don't have to have the job. You're working the job. The job's not working you. You know, people don't like that when they hear that out of you. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean you, you don't need us? We can't abuse you? We can't make you work mandatory double, triple, quadruple time? I mean, after all, you're making all this money. Not at the detriment of family time. I'm, I'm getting on the devil's part yet. Okay, I'm still on the devil's part. I'm just telling you one of the strategies of the devil, what he's done. And you say, oh, I don't believe that would be going on today. Let me read you something out of the New York Times. You knew I'd have something. Our modern culture, it's so enlightened, but it's, you know, and far removed from barbaric and anything detestable. But here, this was written in the New York Times. And it was titled, Don't Band Equality. Now, here's, here's what the devil's crowd says. And you, you tell me, don't this sound like Pharaoh? It says, it's time for companies to stand up for reproductive health care, restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion. It threatens the health and independence and economic stability of our employees and customers. Simply put... It goes against our values and is bad for business. Did you catch it? That's exactly what Pharaoh said. He, he had to build some treasure cities over there. And he says, we got too many mamas staying home raising kids. Uh, that's bad for business, boys. Uh, bad for business. Now, I'm not, again, man, it's quiet. I'm not against you ladies working. I'm, I'm not up here. This was supposed to be syrupy and honey and, and, and good. But here's my point. We need to stop looking down our noses at mothers that decide to be stay-at-home full-time moms. That's a big job. And let me tell you something. I can't do it. I'll climb the walls. You get two kids in my home, I'm out. I got praying to do, boys. There is something special about a God-fearing mama who will decide to sacrifice a career, 
will decide, you see, you know what? We don't need two cars we have payments on. Let's just have one vehicle. I'll stay at home and we'll pray things down. I want to raise my family right. I want to make sure that they're educated right and, and that I'm there and I don't have some weirdo filling my child's head with nonsense. I know that's what my mama did. My mama had a good career going on. She was a respiratory technician. And so when she, they started having children, she says, you know what? <laughs> I'm not making enough money to, re, to pay for uh, child care. Why don't I just stay home with the kids? And dad said, great, I'll, I'll get out. I'll work a little harder or I'll switch a job and, and make a little more money. We'll make this thing work. And I still don't know how they fed seven kids uh, and had two vehicles and clothed us and put us through Christian school. I don't know how that was done because it takes money. But we get to this part down here in verse 17. Let's get to the good part. But we don't need to look down at our noses at mothers that decide to be full-time stay-at-home mamas. That's a very hard job. And let me let you in on a little secret. I can tell the difference between the kids in this church that have stay-at-home mamas and the kids that don't. You might not see it, I see it. Because I'm teaching them, that's why I'm in the teen class, that's why I'm working with the, the children. I can see the world's influence on them and then the ones that are homeschooled or Christian schooled, they're completely different. I can see it, folks. And I'm telling you, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. It's hard. That's a hard path. But it is a biblical path. Now, verse 17, watch this. Now, ladies, don't go quit your jobs. <laughs> don't, don't. You let the Holy Spirit speak to you. The Proverbs 31 woman had a home-based business. Some of y'all, and, and this one thing about mothers, yeah, you can tell I got myself in the trouble, didn't you? Uh, they're, they're very brilliant, and they know how to be a full-time mama and also work, too. That's, that's hard, but some of y'all do that. Some of you all have done that, and, and that's, that's wonderful. Nothing wrong with that, but let's get down to this verse 17, because a God-fearing mother you say well i didn't see a mother there midwives now you might know something about midwives that i don't know of, uh, but generally the midwives that i've met and been around they've all had children themselves i mean what good would a midwife be if she didn't have no experience in that realm I've also, now you all might know something I don't know and say, eh, not all of them. Well, I'm sure they had some training. But these midwives, I'm going to make them mothers. Say, but that text don't say that. And that's why I went to verse 1 in chapter 2 and it says, and. I know Jochebed was a God-fearing mother. wonder if she got inspired from these two midwives to be a God-fearing mother. That's Moses' mom, Jochebed. That was her name. And so verse 17, but the midwives, they feared God. You see, it was popular, and the king demanded that they begin to abort baby boys. You know, I can't and couldn't help but make that connection with what 
our nation's trying to do with masculinity today. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Our men, you need to be proud that you're a man. Stand up and, and be proud that you're a man. There's nothing wrong with being masculine. God, I told our teens today, each and every one of those teens, the teen boys in teen class, God has created you for a specific purpose in this life. You're not an accident. You're not here by chance. There's a job that God wants you to do that only you can do, and you need to discover what that is, and then go do it. That's God's design. But the devil gets in and says, uh-uh. No, we got to get rid of the men, that man figure. It's toxic. But there were some women, imagine that, that stood up and says, Nope, we fear God. They disobeyed the king's mandate to kill the baby boys. They obeyed God. That means they were pro-life. They believed that God's law had priority over man's law. They honored God. All life has a purpose. There are no accidents with God. Life in the womb is a gift from God. Your Bible says this in Psalms 127, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. I mean, isn't it nice? Men, when your children are in church, and then their families, and their wives, and their grandkids. I mean, isn't that a testimony? Isn't that a testimony, mothers? When your children are sitting in church, and they're serving God, it makes you feel pretty mighty, don't it? God said, oh, down here, He established their house. He built them. He made them houses. You want to know that? It wasn't talking about a mansion on a hilltop. He's talking about their family bloodlines being able to live and God bless that fruit of the womb the Bible says this happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them they shall not be ashamed but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates they took a stand for what is right God fearing mothers God blessed them think about it if they had not taken that stand Pharaoh type of Satan got mad and then commanded the people there in verse 22 he charged all the people now everybody all the Egyptians if they seen that there was a boy baby alive they was what every son that is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive that <laughs> that's why in chapter 2 you have Jochebed Moses's mom she hides Moses for three months in the house. Why, preacher? Because any Egyptian that saw them and saw that baby boy, they were to take him and cast him into the river to drown him. But what a wicked thing to do. Yes, it is. To take an innocent life. To deprive it of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. To deprive it, to fulfill God's destiny in their life. Who are we? And I thank God for our God-fearing mothers that took a stand. And I've heard it said this way. My mama said, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. You better straighten up. 
I think I've also heard my mom say, I should have eat you at birth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't think she was serious. <laughs> I don't think. She kind of looked at me funny a couple of times. <laughs> oh, my soul. Thank God for God-fearing mothers who decide to make sacrifices to raise their children for God. That doesn't mean they're perfect. <laughs> of course, they're perfect in my eyes, but they're not perfect people. But a God-fearing woman, God said He'll bless them. I believe God-fearing women, what we're learning here, God-fearing women, if you want to think that the midwives were not really mothers, then God-fearing women inspire God-fearing mothers who in turn inspire God-fearing children to discover their destiny and to serve a living God. Hence, we get Moses. What happened if his mama would have thought, eh, let's just abort him. Let's get rid of him. My soul, what a shame that would have been. I believe God has given us the cure for cancers, given us the cure for many diseases. We've just aborted the answers. Oh, I do. I do. We serve a loving and a true and a just God. I was going around the room this morning. I'm in my closing. And I told these boys, I said, I don't know what God's got for your life. I, I could see little Harrison maybe being a, a great evangelist. I don't know. He wants to play Major League ba Baseball. i like, that's great. Billy Sunday did, one of the greatest preachers ever. And he used his fame to win many souls to Christ. I've seen Christopher going on in uh, technologies and computer science, uh, running the sound, and, and we need help. Uh, when it comes to technology, I'm behind, folks. Uh, we, we need improvements. You go to our church website, uh, we need a little help. I got it. I'll admit that. Maybe God's raising up somebody to step in and say, let me help you with that. Maybe that's Christopher's destiny. I don't know. I just suggested it. Jackson. We talked about Jackson. We talked about Lincoln. You've, you know what I thought. Maybe the next song leader. So he can't sing. He, he's, he's not grown yet. Yeah, he can. <laughs> you don't know what God's going to do with these children. But we're going to need some God-fearing mothers who will in turn inspire God-fearing children to discover their destiny, their God-given destiny, to serve Him in some special way. Mothers are special. And I want you all to, if your mother's still alive, make sure you call her today. And make sure you tell her you love her and you appreciate her for the sacrifices she made for you I know it's hard to do sometimes to humble ourselves as children to call mom but one day he might not be there and then what are you going to do it's kind of nice to be able to call this morning and my mom picks up the phone there she was waiting on phone calls drinking coffee getting ready for church a God-fearing mother
Maybe you've got a God-fearing mother. Maybe you are a God-fearing mother. Thank God for you because we live in a wicked day. And the devil, and the devil's children does not like life. They don't like children because he don't want God's children to outnumber his children. Thank God for God-fearing mothers. Let's all stand this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Little song of imitation softly playing in the background. Do you have a God-fearing mama?